Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. You have the power and you can do it. Ready? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Every single one of you out there has the power to motivate and take their dreams beyond anything you ever thought possible. It's time for another episode of Trust and Believe with Sean T. Come on, you're up! Now, your host, Sean T. So first, I'm just going to let you guys introduce yourselves. I'm Mitch Kiefer. Uh, I've retired from the Air Force after about eight years serving due to medical reasons uh, after being wounded in Iraq. As I would mentioned before, I was always an athlete growing up. Um, I definitely did not get the genetics from my parents. Uh, I love my parents, but... Um, <laughs> I had to do a lot of hard work to, you know, compete at the levels that I wanted to compete at. So, you know, three hours a day in the gym, if that's what it took, then I'd be there. Uh, We had this thing called super group growing up, and it was a way that our football team would work out together in the summer, and I would say it's like CrossFit on steroids, and it was one of the best things that I've ever done. Um... So I, I basically learned how to tell my mind to shut up. Uh, mm. So throughout, you know, super group, we did the super activity every day after we had already done all the Olympic type lifts. And I would bring myself to throw up for my team, keep going, and then, you know, do it multiple times before the end of the workout. Mm-hmm. And nonetheless, it kind of paved the way, like I said, for my mentality later on. Um, I went to college uh, mainly to play football and I found the Air Force ROTC program, competed for a scholarship and luckily got one. So I commissioned as a second lieutenant back in 2007. Uh, I was originally a mathematician and scientist engineer type and I was on my way to cross training into the special tactics for the Air Force which is Equivalent to the Navy SEAL operators, yeah. the Army Green Berets. In lieu of you know waiting to go special ops, I volunteered with the Army Corps of Engineers to basically go and rebuild Iraq after you know years of war. So this was fall of 2010 through the spring of 2011 is 
was my deployment with the Army. So I was an Air Force uh, first lieutenant at the time, but I was wearing the Army uniform in green with them. I went outside the wire uh, numerous times a week uh, for a lot of a lot of hours all around Baghdad province, so about a three-hour radius of the Baghdad International Airport. And we were there building the Iraqi people telecommunication centers, electricity grids, water treatment, schools, hospitals, police stations, you know, everything, anything and everything really that their economy was going to need to to thrive and survive. Uh, it was on one of our more hot routes that usually we take a helo to get there. Um, when you say hot routes, you mean that's like... A little bit more dangerous routes. Where things could possibly happen. Yeah. Yeah, so usually we take helos, uh, but they were booked up that day. The other thing we would usually travel in if we were going to this particular site were the mine-resistant, the MRAPs, the big vehicles mm -hmm. with a lot of armor and everything. And... Um, unfortunately those were in the shop that day too so we were stuck in these lightly armored SUVs that you know can barely take a bullet round uh, and we you know we took off after multiple weather delays and everything we were just about to call it like five minutes away from calling it and then the weather cleared up so you know my boss said let's go so it was uh, myself and my boss we're the only two military folks, and then we had 11 personal security contractors, mostly Brits, uh, that traveled with us and provide security while we did the work, you know. So when, when he said, let's go, were you kind of like, was this kind of routine, so you weren't even, you kind of like, oh, something can happen, but I'm just going to go, or are you always on high alert there? Um... You're always kind of on high alert, but there was definitely something different about this time. Like I said, uh, since we couldn't get the helicopters, we couldn't have the MRAPs, it felt a little weird to start. And then we were supposed to go at 8 a.m., and we didn't get on the road until like 2 p.m. Hmm. So it was like weather delays in the morning, then we could go out. We left around noon, but then at the gate, they called the weather again. So we sat there in our vehicles all suited up and everything for about an hour and 45 minutes and right before. So there were a lot of, you know, things making the back of your hair stand up saying, this isn't right type of thing. Like maybe I shouldn't yeah. be going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't my call and we did, we were going to need to see that site. We didn't know when we were going to be able to get back. Um, so we needed basically contact the Iraqis that we were working with, um, you know, our quality assurance reps and project engineers on the ground. So, um, nonetheless, it's our duty out there, and you, you know there's always, you know, those chances of, uh, of action. Um, but we got there fine, and it was basically one of those one-way in, one-way out sort of things, so... Right. The uh, insurgents that ended up hitting us set up for our way back. So it was dusk, and there were four of our vehicles, mainly like Isuzu Rodeos and Ford Excursions, and they set up a real complex ambush on us. Is it? Oh. Right on the side, it's fine. So I was in the third vehicle with 
with my major, uh, my boss at the time. The first vehicle was hit with a conventional IED on the broad side, on the left side, and then our vehicle simultaneously was hit with an explosively formed penetrating IED. So it punched through our armor and traveled inside the vehicle, passed about two feet in front of my forehead, you know, through the other side, frag, frag the inside. Um, the major next to me had a little bit of shrapnel wound, and I was knocked unconscious at that point. Uh, it had to be for less than a minute. And then I woke up to basically a barrage of gunfire, RPGs flying everywhere. An RPG was shot from the side of the road at the second vehicle, and it was aimed a little too low. It bounced off the the ground and then went up and over the vehicle just by a couple oh, you know geez. feet. And then we had one that screamed behind us that missed our vehicle. And again, RPGs would rocket propelled grenades would uh I know what an RPG punch, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I do know what an RPG yeah. is. I mean yeah. you know, no. he does play Call so, of Duty. I do play <laughs> Call of Duty, exactly. Yeah. So needless to say these you know, they were shooting at point blank range and And missing if, and missing. You know, there's absolutely some divine intervention going yeah. on. Yeah. Um, because that would completely destroy the vehicle. Like, it, was yeah. over, it would have been a wreck. Yeah. And a piece of, actually, that one that hit off the ground still broke off and stuck in that second vehicle, but it didn't detonate. <laughs> so, after all the two IEDs and the RPGs, we were getting sprayed, uh, all four of our vehicles, with a lot of AK-47 fire. And and I basically woke up and just was in La La Land at the time. I felt like I was drunk, uh, dreaming, you know, all the above. Uh, the major next to me was was screaming orders, uh, screaming obscenities, all sorts of things. And all I was thinking was just like, is this really happening? Yeah. What's going on here? All I knew at the time really was like, he's my VIP, so I, you know, pushed him down underneath the the window level and I just kind of laid on top of him. Um, we were able to drive out of the contact about a quarter mile down the road. Wait, so the car still drove? It we were we were stuck there for a minute and I don't know how, like cuz it wasn't working and then it did and we were all on run flat tires, the three of our vehicles um, in front. Just, yeah. yeah. Uh, only the fourth vehicle was really able to return fire. Uh, but we were able to somehow limp the vehicles up about a quarter mile to an Iraqi checkpoint. And at that point, uh, we set up security, started changing all the run flat tires. I stayed inside. I had, at the time, traumatic brain injury and then seven broken vertebrae. From that From event. the blast wave, yep. The blast wave itself. So I actually did not get hit by fragments that I know of. Um, it was mainly just that the that, shaking the weight it's like shaking baby syndrome yeah. when you get hit by a bomb like that so you know the way that I guess the seatbelt hung in and came from the left side because it was I was on the contact side I basically got the brunt of the hit um, you know just compressed all my spine and uh, and fractured those vertebrae luckily it didn't hit my uh, my my stem so I didn't lose, you know, feeling to the legs or anything like that. But I was definitely knocked up for a good while. Um, 
after after setting up and that security and changing all the run flat tires for some reason all the vehicles still could move so we started about a two and a half hour drive back to base after that they never they didn't come after us so uh we were trying to go meet our um quick reaction force and we basically met them two and a half hours later at the gate <laughs> so we were on our own you know for a good long while with three and, vehicles um so when did you find out you were injured that badly uh just as time went on i i was i was in this force gump stage you know with my brain uh, i've had headaches 24 7 ever since so this was back in 2011 and ever since i've had you know really the only thing that's ever helped my headaches and the pressure in my head have been hyperbaric oxygen therapy mm. um but i was medevaced to landstuhl germany after i was kind of stable in in baghdad and that's where they started doing a lot of different scans and i started saying my back hurt you know i, I felt like it was just regular pains you know soreness and whatnot and the more and more x-rays and then mris i was having that's when those things started to, to pop but did up. you did you know you were injured at the first checkpoint or not until oh yeah yeah i definitely knew i was i was i was hurting um i had a bit of adrenaline going that's for sure but i knew i knew that it wasn't right the way that i was feeling and thinking and i've always been a you know i feel like a pretty smart guy i had my bachelor's in mathematics and statistics i was always very scientific minded and it was tough because you know after that i had always bantered back and forth with the british and you know they- hey folks i'm mark Marin from the wtf podcast and this episode is brought to you by kleenex ultra soft tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey, we're phenomenal phenomenal guys to hang out with and just by them asking me hey what's going on man i would have to think about what they're saying i would have to break down what they're trying to get at i would have to think of how i felt about that message they were sending me i'd have to think about how i'd want to respond and then i would respond and the entire time i'm telling you it is how long i just sat there with a blank stare and saying oh nothing nothing's going on so I could see it from the outside what was happening and it was weird it was like I was daydreaming but I was still trying to think so that scared me quite a bit Um, so it was really the brain injury much more than my spine that I was worried about I figured you know just a physical a physical hurt is easily overcomable but you know when your brain's messed up it's a whole different story um so at that point i really just figured uh after being medevaced back to brook army medical center the other one 
with Walter Reed, that's uh, Warfighter Rehabilitation Center. I just figured, okay, how do I get back to normal, you know, as soon as possible. And I basically become became dumb to my abilities. I just figured I'm going to be able to get a full recovery. I'm just going to go for it, and there was no other option. Mm. Uh, kind of like just bringing myself to throw up in all those workouts. It's just this is the path you go at. Uh, I had already been given a prestigious slot for a master's degree program in analytical mathematics or operations research. Uh, that was going to be my next job. And I had a few officers at the time that were in charge of me that you know, really believed in me as well. So we actually kept this on the down low from the Air Force Wounded Warrior program and whatnot until I PCS'd to start that master's degree program, uh, which was six months later. So otherwise they would have, you know, done a medical board on me and I possibly could have been, you know, out at that point. So they knew how much I wanted to do it. They believed in me and uh, I was able to start that master's degree program. And, you know, throughout that, I was still in that force dump stage. My first assignment, probability and statistics, something that normally would take me, you know, an hour maybe to do took me seven hours <laughs> so it was something I knew I was just gonna have to be patient with but as time and time went on just all, like all the physical workouts I would do it was the daily in and out of school and assignments tests and just learning that brought a lot of my cognitive senses back so after about a year that you know seven hour assignment now was on par with the rest of the folks you know hour hour and a half and luckily I still maintained an, an A average throughout the whole Masters. Um, but that's when I noticed quite a bit of that mentality coming back uh, where I could actually banter back and forth with those Brits again. And, and to this day, I still keep in touch with a lot of them. So of all, I mean, obviously that entire thing was a struggle, especially the accident itself. But what was, um, as you were you know, recovering, what was the biggest struggle you think you had and then how did you actually overcome it? Well, I feel like I didn't have really the support structure um, that I, I wanted at the time. Uh, a lot of my friends and family were back home in Minnesota, which is where I grew up, but at this point I was in Florida and then uh, Ohio. So a lot of my, you know, closest friends and family were were quite far and I had to you know deal with a lot of other issues on my own um, the other thing that really plagued me a lot was just the the back pain you know that just has gotten worse as time goes on so there's really no position that I don't feel pain and sitting is like my Achilles heel I you know it hurts like crazy even to this day e yeah even to this day so, so you're in pain right now yeah absolutely yep and I would, you know, work at a desk quite a bit. Uh, so I'd be on one knee at the desk or using standing desks. And nonetheless, like, it, it wears on you. So it's almost like someone's, like, poking you in the forehead all day long. And at some point, it makes you go, you know, crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it makes you want it. So it, it really uses up a lot of that stress hormone, cortisol. And that's when a lot of the other problems started happening too a little bit of the PTSD but um, I started 
having hypothalamus pituitary access problems. So I wasn't making thyroid hormone. I wasn't making adrenal hormones. Um, you know, almost every hormone was was very low. So that created a whole another slew of problems because here I was this I I made it my point to get back on that all Air Force triathlon team. Now that had 12 men and six women Air Force wide and you could be guard reserve active duty so about 400,000 personnel and they choose, you know, the best 12 12 men, six women. I was able to basically get back on that team after two years of recovery. So in 2013, I made it. But that's also what broke me because <laughs> how much I put towards that, um, you know, my body couldn't keep up with anymore. So finding that new normal to understand that, you know, I wasn't able to be this professional type triathlete anymore was a big blow. You know, when something's been 20, 25 hours of your life every, you know, every week. Yeah. For so long, then it's it's tough to become sedentary, um, and I was really forced to. I couldn't wake up. Um, a lot of days, I could easily sleep 20, 24 hours and still be tired. So those things, really the the follow-on issues from the traumatic brain injury, and you know the stress that I'd received from the back pain were were some of the most difficult to overcome. And, and to this day, I still battle with it. But it's just something that's part of life now, and you know you deal with it. So I have one final question for you. So every day, like every day, people ask me, you know, Shanti, how do you stay motivated? How do you stay motivated? And you know, I have my answers, you know, and I, I kind of sometimes ask them, you know, I ask them about what it is that they do, so I can help them find the motivation. But you know. You, it sounds like you're in constant uncomfortableness, you know. And I always tell people, it's like, you have to get uncomfortable to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. But you living in that, like, what motivates you to keep going when you're, you, it feels like, it sounds like you're always kind of, like, on an uphill battle from the mm-hmm. time you wake up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, I would say, twofold. Uh, first, it's kind of counterintuitive in that working out, gives me power so while I sit you know doing nothing it hurts but when I work out you know if I get on the bike and make my legs burn like crazy it's empowering because I know I'm making them hurt I'm the one that's doing it it's not just there so the endorphins that I get from that are you know monumental Um, just by having that feeling of productivity whether it's in my job, spiritually, emotionally, um, socially, or physically, uh, that's what gets me through each day and makes me want to wake up and, and do the next challenge. Um, you know, a few other things along the way that helped me were that Federal Air Force Wounded Warrior Program because I got a call from one of my old triathlon Air Force teammates. Um, James Bales, and he was the the head coach for this Warrior Games team. He had called me back in, I think it was uh, November of 2012, and said, "Hey, Mitchie, uh, you ever heard of this this uh, Wounded Warrior Games?" I was like, "Nope." He's like, "All right, well, you're going to be the next Ultimate Champion." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, sure, why not?" <laughs> uh, 
so I started doing these camps, and luckily I was able to become the ultimate champion uh, in 2013 and 2014, the two years that I did it. And it's basically a modified pentathlon. You shoot, you run, you throw a shot put, you bike and swim. And there's basically two members from each of the services that compete against each other for this all-around title. Um, but, you know, after two years of doing that, it was then, you know, now what's my next goal? Like Gideon had mentioned quite a bit, it's about setting goals, having, you know, somewhere something to strive for, and that's where I find a lot of that uh, motivation. And then the second part was basically, you know, my friends. You know, seeing Gideon and knowing that, He's eating healthy. Uh, Steve is eating healthy. I'm eating cookies. Cookie um, <laughs> <laughs> monster for a reason. I am a monster. And that's the problem. Is like you know when you're working twenty, working out twenty hours, twenty five hours a week as a triathlete, you eat anything. You know, yeah, it sucks. Yeah. You just you have it doesn't to help when you have Monica bringing home those yeah. great big awesome cookies. Yeah, but I mean that's that's been one of my most difficult things is scaling that down. Right. Uh, but having these guys around um, and as friends makes all the difference in the world. Not only because they help me uh, keep track of my own goals and my diet and all that, um, but just like when we all met with that Wounded Warrior program, you knew you were all already you know, good friends as soon as you met because you'd all been through something traumatic. Right. So you didn't have to worry about anybody judging you. Uh, you could just be, and it was very satisfying. So knowing that a lot of the things that I go through or that I feel can go unsaid, and these guys are already going to know, you know, what's right, going on right. with me. So I don't have to, like, you know, feel like I'm making excuses or feel like I've got to explain myself so these people understand me. Because, you know, with looking at me, you can't tell what's going on internally um but having friends like this is is great for my own motivation to keep going well you definitely validate the statement that you know i tell people every single day which is don't run from the work feel the work yeah because you know when you're doing abs and that burn starts to happen and that's the reason why most people don't like to do that they're like oh my god it hurts I'm like well if you don't feel the pain you're not going to feel the result so you know what I mean yeah that's a big empowering part yeah so thank you man and thanks for sharing you are listening to Trust and Believe with Sean T. I want to give a huge shout out to Todd Midget. You can find him at NC Fit Club on Instagram and Facebook. Another huge shout out to Alex Colorado. You can find her at Alex Zero R-E-O on Instagram. They're both great. They help me with the podcast and they help us always trust and believe in who we are to get the message out that you have to know that you can do it. Check, check, one, two, three, check. For more support, visit me at facebook.com slash Fitness. Same on Instagram and Twitter. Or visit me at shantifitness.com for more support and more motivation. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.